We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 68 Best Bets Podcast and Best Bets Livestream. My name is Rob Doster. That gentleman you see on the other side of me is Jeffrey Goodman, who actually had a pretty good night last night. He's uh, he's making a little bit of money, finally, again, back on the winning side, back on the winning train. Killing it, Killing it right now. I'm I'm 14 and 6 in my last 20. I'm like, uh, since we started with BetSports, I am 32 games, 33 games over 500, 54%. And you know what I was doing before BetSports. Mm-hmm. I was like close Breaking to 60. So uh, I'm not going to brag here, but uh, I feel good today. I feel good today. I, I haven't felt good. I feel like I've been like running in quicksand for, you know, a month or so. And just like have a good day, have a bad day. Haven't been able to put together a couple, you know, consecutive days. So hopefully today uh, we'll be able to do that. Uh, decent slate. And we got some conference games. And, and that's the nice thing. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, what, what was the, the, the biggest thing for you yesterday, Rob, there were like three, uh, and you can't say UConn just cause you're a UConn home. So no, I mean, it was, it was Colin Gillespie. Like it's not even, is it, yeah, it's not, not even, a discussion. Not even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, listen, it, it looks like he's, he's done. I mean, I'd be shocked. Obviously you heard Jay right after the game say it's serious. Um, you could see it on the, the, the face of his mother. Um, through her mask, the tears coming down her face. Uh, you know, this is a kid that has done everything right. I mean, like he was a mid-major recruit coming out of high school. I remember talking to him uh, at the last Final Four, and he was a freshman uh, who played but not a ton, and you're, you're trying to find good stories. And somebody had told me, one of the Villanova assistants had told me his story, which was like we took him like over like Delaware at that point. It was like a bunch of – of like CAA and mid-major schools, and he's turned himself into a pretty damn good player. Um, and it, it's just so sad that that's likely going to be how his career ends. I mean, he could come back for another year. Maybe he will. Um, but my guess is he he, he moves forward uh, after this. And now Villanova also goes, Rob, from a team capable of making a Final Four run. I don't see any way they can do that without Colin Gillespie. I mean, they don't really have a point guard on the roster now. Justin it's, Moore, yeah, he's not yeah. really a point. I mean, Jermaine, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was kind of running the point for him yesterday after Colin Gillespie went down. It, it's there; they're in a very bad spot, and I really, really feel for for Colin. And you know what? For that team in general, right? Like they've every single kid 
in college basketball this year and that that played last season has just been through yeah. so much between getting yep. that NCAA the the 2020 NCAA tournament canceled and all the isolation and everything that they're going through this year and like Villanova's had a lot of it they spent basically a month stuck in a lot or in a in a hotel room so to go through all of that and have it get ripped away on some fluky injury on yeah. three days into March, ten days before the start of the tournament, it just it's not fair. It sucks. I'm surprised, Rob. I'm surprised we haven't had more injuries this year. Aren't you? With all the pauses and with COVID. Um, aren't you surprised now again, this one was completely fluky, but aren't you surprised that we haven't had more like significant knock on wood um season ending injuries this year? Um, I guess, I mean, you, I, my feel would always kind of be like that. That wouldn't have an impact on like knees or ankles or anything like that. It, it makes you more likely to like pop a hamstring, but how whatever often it is, I'm just saying whatever it is, like, again, Baylor coming back two days after a, a pause, p- practicing twice and playing a game like those situations. And, and Baylor is not the only one who did it. Obviously there's a lot of schools that feel pressure. Um, because of their leagues, because of TV contracts, because they need to get the minimum amount of games early on in the season. I think that was it, right? A lot of teams were worried about getting to 13, and pretty much everybody's getting to 13 now. I just feel like, you know, we've been fortunate in a way that there haven't been more significant injuries um, this season to, 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 you know, college basketball players. So that's a good thing. But, man, Colin Gillespie, you feel for him. Um, and his family and just, you know, he's just such a good kid. And he's he's all about the right things. Um, he really does kind of personify Villanova basketball a lot and, and, and kind of the grind and the way he kind of handles himself and conducts himself. And, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I just – I feel for him. And, and, again, Villanova, man, I just don't see any way that they're going to be able to go deep in the tournament now. Yeah. It's it's tough. Um, the only thing I would say is that they still have that same kind of like really interesting switchability and, and still kind of that's the, you know, they can roll out lineups where they have Jeremiah Robinson Earl at the five and then Jermaine Seals, Justin Moore, Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater. Like that's that's not terrible. And good players. Um, they do have some guys that can pass and they do have some guys that can play off the bounce, but it's just it's very, very different not having that kind of go-to guy and that leader and, and someone that can, you know, make well, he controls the tempo too. Yeah. Like he controls yeah, exactly. their tempo, which is so important for Villanova and the way they play. And now, mm-hmm. honestly, if you're playing against them and you got a bunch of athletes, you come after them. You come after them. I don't know if it's so much that, but it, it, there's, there's a very big difference, and we've talked about this with teams like Kansas um, over the course of the year. There's a very big difference between guys that can make a play and guys that are point guards, right? And Colin Gillespie is like a point guard through and through. And they have other guys on this rattled. roster that can, that can Never make gets rattled. Never gets sped up, Rob. Yep. Like, how many guys can you say that about? Yep. Um, all right. So I think that this kind of – we talked about this last night on locker room and, and yeah. Fanta was in there and, and ranting and raving about God knows what, but do you think that this makes, um, this makes UConn the favorite to win the Big East regular or the Big East tournament title at this point? I think they are. I think they're the team most likely to make it to the, to the Crazy. final four out of this group. Crazy because, you know, 48 hours ago, 
they were clearly the number three, maybe even not even number three team. But I think in both of our eyes, they were probably three. And now, because of what happened with Colin Gillespie and what's happened to Creighton with, with the Greg McDermott situation, I, yeah, I, I think you say, like, I have more faith in, in UConn winning the Big East tournament and, and being dangerous uh, going to the NCAA tournament than maybe any other team, unless Creighton can figure this thing out. And Listen, they were good in the second half. Give them credit. They were good. I don't think they were affected by it once the game got going. I just think early on it, it affected them a little bit, and uh, it was interesting to see after the game. Uh, Greg McDermott pretty much just gave a statement again saying how bad he felt and how he screwed up and how he feels for the players and how he hopes he can uh, gain their trust back. And um, and they brought on Damian uh, Jefferson, and he he just basically said, I, I don't want to talk about anything other than the game and, and, and the team and the future. Um, I don't want to talk about the situation. So we still don't know kind of where all the players stand on this and whether they are united or not. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we got into this a little bit last night. Um, so I thought it was pretty telling that we didn't see – we hadn't seen anybody come out and um, and support McDermott publicly. Uh, I went through yesterday the Twitter feed for every single player on the Creighton roster, and none of them have has, has mentioned Greg McDermott. Um, I haven't seen uh, – any former players like I, I haven't done an exhaustive search of all the guys that have played for Creighton, but I haven't really seen anyone come out in um, in unequivocal support of him. Uh, so I don't know. It, it's it's a very weird situation. And, and yesterday I said uh, I thought that he was lucky that he kept his job. Um, I understand why these players are are trying to do things the way that they're doing them, though. Like if you're if you're in this situation where you've been through. You had a chance to make a Final Four last year that blew up in your face. You have a team that is capable of making run a run of the tournament this year. Um, and the best chance for you to be able to make that run, to make everything that you've dealt with over the course of the last six months uh, worth it, is to have Greg McDermott coach you. So I understand where they're like, look, this we're going to be selfish here. We're going to do what's best for us. And what's best for us is to have – uh, this coach try to help lead us and, and coach us to where we want to go. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening there. But I, I really do not believe that this is the last that we're going to hear of it. And, and this to me, and maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it's just the climate and maybe whatever. But I I, I just think that this is basically the, the, the beginning of the end for McDermott. Uh, everyone gets a second chance. And I'm yeah. sure that there will be like whatever happens, like he'll probably end up Coaching again. If I don't he think wants he'll to. want to go out this way. You see, I don't think he'll go out now. I could see this speeding up. Uh, how long? I mean, Greg McDermott is. Uh, he's only fifty-six. Now he loves yeah, to no, go. I, I I agree with you. I just I don't know how you how you recruit. Like how 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 does he recruit right now? Okay, here here's so so my question to you is: Somebody posed this to me last night. They said, "All right, well, why?" Why are we talking about John Beeline being hired? And why have we moved past this with what he said to his players uh, in Cleveland? Right? Yeah. Why, why? Now, what I'm saying, I guess what I'm getting at here is, um, yes, it's fresh right now. In a year from now, 
are we really talking about it? And does it affect them recruiting-wise as much as you think? I'll tell you this much. I think if John Beeline gets hired, that will affect him recruiting-wise. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I really, I really, really do, and and I'm I'm thinking about how I can phrase this to make it. Uh, let's just say that the similar conversations to that have been had about John B. Line in recruiting circles back when he was still at Michigan. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm I'm with you there. I I just think again, it's going to depend on these players, and 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 really, and it should, it should, it should, it should. They are they are the ones who should make this decision. Right. I honestly yep. believe that they're the ones that should make this decision. If you're if you're dumb enough to have that slip up and, and that that misspeak, uh, then then you should be at the mercy of the people that uh, maybe victims is too strong of a word in this situation. But the, they they should be the ones uh, that that make this decision, like whatever they want, whatever is best for them is what I think. Yep. Happen. So and uh, if they've. And my understanding, I said this yesterday. I said this yesterday. I'm real quick, and then we can move on. I said this yesterday. The day uh, Greg McDermott offered to resign, and the consensus on the team was that they did not want him to resign. So, if that's where they are with it, then that's where they are with it. And I think that we all should accept that. Um, I hope it's gonna. This is gonna be a storyline, and every time that Creighton plays, it's gonna be talked about, and it's gonna be something that. Uh, gets asked about in post game press conferences, and it, it's this is going to be what defines the rest of their season, unfortunately. So, yep. if they don't want to and talk about it, I understand the desire not to talk about it. So let's let's move on. We don't need to. We don't need to beat this. this yeah, that's not great. Anything else last night other than Minnesota losing another road game? Syracuse got a nice little win there. They did. The key. I mean, listen. We knew this was going to happen. We knew they were going to climb their way right back onto the bubble, and right now they're probably in. Am I wrong? <laughs> Syracuse in a playing game, man. It's the most dangerous. The most dangerous it. team in America is Syracuse in a playing game. Yeah, I mean, we we absolutely need, like, to me again, some combo. I don't care. Put Syracuse, Michigan State, whatever it is. We need the first four, like Duke. You know, have them all. Duke, Michigan State, Syracuse. Who's your fourth? Who's your fourth? If you got a fourth team, that would Carolina. be uh, Carolina. Awesome. How great would that be? Although I still say high major against mid major would be better, but but it's fine. You can do whatever you want with it. Uh, throw all of them: Bayheim, uh, K, Roy, Izzo, in the first four. Like that would be sick. That would be the craziest thing ever. Um, Talia last night, my daughter said to me, "She's like, where do you have all those teams ranked in the preseason?" I'm like, yeah, and it wasn't good. It was not pretty. I, I had Kentucky 10, like Michigan State, like 13, uh, Duke, like 14. And the worst one I did was I think I had like Arizona State 15. God, that was awful. Awful. Yeah. Arizona State was the first one. Someone in the comments said, remember Keith Dambro? He got a second chance. What did yeah. Keith Dambro do? I, he did something years ago. I mean, years ago um, that, that he did get a second chance. It was like 20 years ago, though. And and again, he was he wasn't. A, first of all, we weren't in we weren't in the, the the day and age that we're in right now. Number one, and also there was no you know big social media stuff. If, if that's I, what you're I, I cover college basketball for a living, and I don't, I honestly don't even remember it. So that's yeah, it was years ago. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into tonight's slate. 
Yep. Can we do that? You know what we're leading off with. Uh, yeah, Michigan, Michigan State. What else? No, 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 no. We got a we got we got afternoon Atlantic Ten Conference Tournament basketball. All right, you're starting there. We got, you start boy, we got Damn, your bro. boy Ryan Daly at one o'clock. He might still be a little uh, bit hungover. Can he do one it? O'clock, one o'clock's a little bit early for him. Um, Bullshit. Bullshit. You don't think Ryan Daly can play whenever you roll the ball out? I mean, seriously? If he had an 8 a.m. game. He'll be if ready he to go. Game, go for 20. I just think that while he's playing, the 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 essence of bush light and stale cigarette smoke is just going to be emoting off of him. And, he's and I, 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 he's, it's so funny watching him play because he really does just look like a St. Joe's frat boy out there that walked in, thought he was going to pick up and ended up in the Atlantic Ten tournament. <laughs> he is he is so much fun to watch. If you've never watched Ryan Daly. You should watch NBC Sports Network today at 1 o'clock. St. Joe's plays UMass. Uh, I will absolutely have uh, St. Joe's there. As I've tweeted, like, they're never going to lose again with Ryan Daly. They're going to win the national title. St. Joe's is going to run the table. I don't know if they're going to win the national title, but I hope they win today so I can be on the St. Joe's money line. That's where I'll, That's my first bet of the day. I'm locking them in, man. I'm locking them in. Wouldn't it be great to see him get to, like, the A-10 title game, St. Joe's? It would be fun. Be really fun, and and honestly, it's not like out of the equation. Like, who's that good in the A ten? Uh, nobody is that good. In the nobody. A-10. Thank you. Nobody. Every All time, right. every time, uh, I actually, to be honest with you, I actually hate when the A ten plays because it just guarantees at some point that John Rothstein is going to tweet out that picture of Hannibal Lecter and say that the A ten is cannibalizing itself. <laughs> it's just like it's that is. I don't. I don't need to think about. Hannibal Lecter on uh, yeah, I don't, I don't follow Rossi and I'll get some people will send me some of his dumb tweets, but I don't, I don't follow him, so I have no idea what you're talking about with the agent. All right, yeah, let's 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 start with Michigan and Michigan State. Um, that line is is massive, yeah, it's right? Say 12. 12 points in a rivalry game, um, in a rivalry days- game, Michigan State's play better, like they haven't been great. But they played better over the last couple of weeks. That that's a lot of points. But again, I guess Michigan's earned it over the course of the year. Yeah. So this is tough because um, I can definitely see this being the kind of game where Michigan just rolls through people. Uh, the way that we talked about this the other day, but the way that um, that Illinois was able to to kind of beat Michigan was that they played like this heavy, heavy drop coverage. Uh, and they took advantage. They did not leave the wings. They played heavy drop coverage, and they forced Michigan to try to beat them with Mike Smith and Hunter Dickinson and pick and rolls. And when you do that, and Hunter Dickinson can't pick and pop and can't shoot from the perimeter, and you're basically asking Mike Smith to to go and beat drop coverage, like that's that's very difficult to do, and, and not not going to be something that is uh, ideal for Michigan State. We'll see if or I'm sorry, ideal for Michigan. We'll see if Michigan State ends up replicating, trying to do the same thing. Um, it's, but at the end of the day, like it's also Hunter Dickinson going up against Marcus Bingham or Julius Marble is very different than Hunter, Hunter Dickinson going up against uh, Kofi Coburn. So I, I'm very very torn on this one. Um, I think no, I would take, probably I'll take twelve. Yeah, I'll, I'll take twelve here. It's it's looks like too many points for. I mean, Tom Izzo is getting twelve points. Like seriously, yep. isn't that all you need to say? Tom Izzo is getting 12 points, Rob Doster. 12. Hey, what else good news. 
Goodman, I'm glad. I'm glad at least one of our listeners is uh, is supportive. About what? Look at the look at the feed. Uh, I'm looking at it. What? I stopped watching NBC when they let go of Doster. Thank you, yeah, S- well, you Thank can watch you. today. A little bit of support. Ryan Daly's worth it. Watch, watch today. Um, yeah, I, I like Michigan State with Izzo. All right, next best game: Oklahoma State at Baylor. Big game here. Interesting game. I don't know if it's big, but interesting. Kate Cunningham against the Baylor guards. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of points for Baylor right now. 11 and a half. Again, I'm tempted to take the points, but I also feel like they're so overmatched in every other area. And even with Cade, like they got, they got guards. They can, they can rotate on them, right? They got, they got help. I mean, you start with Davion Mitchell, um, Obviously, vital, so big and strong. I don't know. Like, where do you – I don't have a great feel for this one. What do you got? Uh, I think I like the points here as well. Um, the first time that these two teams played, uh, the Oklahoma State matchup zone really kind of uh, messed with with Baylor, and uh, I think that they'll probably do it again. The big thing that happened in the second half of that game was that um, Oklahoma State, like, just could not do anything against Baylor's defense. Like once Baylor was like, "All right, you know what? Fuck this. We're gonna we're like we're we're gonna we're gonna kick your ass now." Um, that was there crazy. was no Kate Cunningham to take over. Remember, this was when he was still in kind of contact tracing and and in COVID protocol, uh, so he did not play, and they just did not have an answer when he was not playing. So um, I think that I like Oklahoma State in the points here. Uh, remember, we are just two days removed from Baylor playing an overtime game. Uh, and you know, it was one where they still had leg issues and, Oh, there we go. We got a little bit of f- phone call. Um, shocker, phone shocker call. that you interrupted. I won't take, you. I won't take uh, but yeah, I think I, I think I like Oklahoma state in this spot. Um, you know, again, the last time that they played, it was, uh, it was, it was, I thought Oklahoma state was more impressive. Now Baylor ended up covering, but they did not have Cade Cunningham. And they were playing at home. So, yeah, I think I like the points in this spot too. It's 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 never going to be comfortable when you're when you're taking the points against one of these top teams, but no, um, I do no. think both of them are going to be able to keep it close. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree there. Um, what else? Texas, Oklahoma. That's a good game. Really good game. Big Twelve. To me, I I've I loved the Big Twelve this year. It, it's been so much fun um, because it's been fairly even. You know, top six or seven teams. Anybody can beat anybody other than probably Baylor uh, losing uh, for the most part this year uh, to anybody but Kansas. Uh, so Texas, Oklahoma, to me, here, here's my take on this one. I think the guard matchup is fairly even. Um, I just think Texas is so much better than Oklahoma up front. Now, Brady Manning played better last game. He did. He played better. But how is he going to handle those picks? How is Oklahoma going to handle all of Texas's bigs? I, I don't see how. I think Texas beats them, uh, even though Oklahoma is one of the better. Again, we've talked about this all year. They're one of the best teams at home over the last seven years. So that scares me. But I just I like the Texas matchup here. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas is always a tough team for me because it very much feels like are they going to show up or are they not going to show up now? When it when it comes to talent, I, I, how many teams are more talented than them in college basketball? Period. 
Yeah, I'd say five. Like literally, I think you can go five. Uh, when it comes to how well they end up playing on a night-to-night basis, mm, they're pretty inconsistent and pretty frustrating. So I think, honestly, I think I would be on Oklahoma in this spot. Uh, they, I think that they have the guards to be able to, to kind of get up into um, like Matt Coleman defensively and be able to take away what they want to do. Uh, and I'm, I just I think when we are talking about uh, X's and O's and all that, I would take Lon Kruger over Shaka Smart. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. The, the big thing is, like, Oklahoma loves playing that gapping defense. And um, I'm not entirely convinced Texas is going to be able to shoot over the top of it. Like, we've seen them against Oklahoma State just have abysmal yep. shooting performances. Um, but, you know, we've also seen them – We've seen Greg Brown make three or four threes in the game. We've seen Kai Jones make a whole bunch of threes, and like Andrew Jones could get it going. And Courtney Ramey hit like what was it eight threes the other night against? Uh, I don't even remember who they played. Um, everything blends together at this point, but yeah, I think I think I like Oklahoma here. Uh, yeah, Texas on the season is shooting. 34% from three, which is 138th nationally, and league play at number is 35%. They take more threes than anybody else, though, so that's something that should uh, should um, make you believe that maybe they have a chance. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see. I think I like Oklahoma in that spot, though. What I would agree. Uh, I don't have much else for today that, like, I love. Like, I'm kind of looking up and down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little more research. Uh, on some of these games and see who's playing and who's not. Uh, I don't – honestly, I don't have a good feel for some of these games. St. Joe's, like we talked about, kind of like Dayton, but it's hard to love Dayton. You know, playing URI, giving four and a half, kind of like them. Um, you know, these A-Sun matchups, kind of looking at them a little bit. But, you know, yeah, I don't love them right now. So – where are you on – we have Kansas hosting UTEP. Yep. And it's set the line at Bet Rivers is 17 and a half right now. Which um, is – Yeah, I, I don't like giving 17 and a half right now for Kansas. No way. My, my concern with that would be where's the motivation for Kansas to show up and play, Right. Yeah, it's true. The true. team that they should beat in a walk. They just finished conference play. They have the Big 12 tournament coming up. This game is just added because Bill Self wanted more games to play. They didn't want to have what was it would have been like two weeks off between the end of the season and the, the start of the Big 12 tournament. So they're just playing this game to play this game. That does feel like the kind of thing that maybe like UTEP going into uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse will be up and ready for. But is that something that you really want to invest a little bit of money on and, and bet on? I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird slate once you get past those big games. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, no, I I think we're good where we're at. I'm not gonna uh I'm not gonna go too much deeper today. I don't love anything yet, but again, uh keep an eye on my Bet Spurts account. Uh my guess is I'll I'll add some stuff throughout the day today. <laughs> 